And hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Gluck, and today I'm talking to a former driver who raced extensively in the late model ranks and also had five starts in the K&N E-Series, racing with the likes of Matt Benedetto, Corey LaJoy, Ryan Truex. And she, yes, she, is still involved in NASCAR, but is no longer a driver. She is the PR rep for Dale Earnhardt Jr. She is Tiff Daniels. The driving portion of Tiff's career is over, as is the engineering portion. She was also an engineer for Chip Ganassi Racing for three years, working on Jamie McMurray's car and Juan Pablo Montoya's car. But she is now basically at the top of the food chain for PR reps because she's been working with Dale Earnhardt Jr. for the last couple years and is obviously a valuable member of the Hendrick Motorsports Media Relations team. Now, as part of Tiff's job, she also tweets under the handle at Hendrick88 team, where she gives updates on what Dale Earnhardt Jr. is up to, as well as race play-by-play during the events themselves. So I wanted to ask Tiff more about what goes into her job. Of course, I have to tell you that this interview was conducted before the news of Alex Bowman taking over the 88. Hopefully, it will still give you some good insight into what goes into a public relations representative's job on a day-to-day basis. All right, everybody, I'm here with Tiff Daniels, and Tiff is going to shed some light on what goes on from a social media standpoint um, from somebody that does driver PR. I don't even know if that's the right term. Yeah, no, that's accurate. We uh, like to make it fancy and call it media relations, but yeah, PR is (laughs) the easy. (laughs) Media relations. Okay, so as part of media relations, you are running an account that's giving updates on driver during a race, and a lot of fans are depending on this account. They're like eager for information. How do you decide what updates to send out? How do you decide, well, I'm going to leave this off? So (laughs) with Dale, obviously, almost any content people want to see, right? The more Dale, the better for our fan base. However, um, you know, there are those moments that I certainly want, wouldn't want to intrude on with him on the track. So I'm mainly giving them a, a little bit of an insider perspective, but still things that would be um, fairly obvious to anyone walking by. It just happens to be that I'm with him at all of these appearances and meet and greets that he does. Um, and then during practice sessions or the race specifically, I can listen to what he says on the public radio the same way anyone else can and kind of try to give an overview of what may be going on without getting into specific things he says about what the car may be doing. So if he gives them some kind of very specific feedback on, um, you know, we feel like we're loose in, tight in the middle, loose off, but then goes into more detail about specifically what they might be doing with springs or shocks. I'm not going to put that out there, but I'll put the general concept of what he may be feeling with the car. And same goes during the race, just so people following along kind of have an idea of what issues the team may be trying to overcome during practice or a race. Um, and then just general updates for where he's running and what's going on and Obviously, I'm throwing some pictures into that, too, so they can kind of feel like they're there, maybe. So, essentially, it's stuff that 
public uh, is publicly available. So um, it sounds like you're saying if you're behind the scenes somewhere, it's it's obviously it could be construed as a private moment. That's not something you're going to throw up on the feed. Right. So if it's something that happens inside the hauler and he's joking around with Greg and the team guys, that's not a picture I'm going to take and put out there because they don't want to have to filter themselves when they're in a situation that should be considered private. And so you start affecting their communication if you get too involved in showing things behind the scenes that maybe should be kept private because it's an interaction with him and somebody he's close to or talking to that he doesn't necessarily want to push out there. And with Dale, too, he pushes out so much himself that if there's something that he wants to tell you about that he did that's cool, he's going to put it out there anyway. I don't need to be the one to do that. So it's interesting because, you know, you have sports teams like, you know, the Broncos or the Eagles or somebody like that. And if their fans are upset or, or just whatever's going along in the game, they're tagging their team and they're saying, this is awesome or this is terrible. And you're sort of your own little sports team the way that you're running because every car is sort of, and you have a whole nation of fans to answer to. Um, so are you like scrolling through the replies during a race? Are you seeing what people are saying? Or do you have to kind of you know shut that off for yourself? A little bit of both. So sometimes it's just fun to read the replies. So I'll scroll through and look. Um, other times, if there's a lot going on, I, I may not have time to look through all the replies anyway. Sometimes I'll look through them and see if anybody has a question that I can help answer. I don't usually get involved when somebody says, oh, you guys are doing terrible right now, or, oh, this is great, we're so happy. Like, those are great. We love to see all the fan reactions, but that wouldn't necessarily be something that needs a response from me. But if somebody asks during a practice session, hey, have you guys switched over to qualifying trim yet? That maybe would be something I can answer. So every now and then I'll interact. But for the most part, I kind of feel like that's maybe more now that Dale's so active, that's something that he enjoys doing, and he'll pick the questions that he wants to answer and those fans he wants to interact with, and they'd rather that interaction come from him anyway than from me. So I just kind of watch to see um, what people are saying more for my personal entertainment, I guess, <laughs> than for anything else. So what happens when people get out of hand? Like, um, do you just have to ignore it and filter it out and just say, oh my gosh, they're just venting? Um, do you ever like use the block button or is that like a big no, no, because they might be a, a fan. How do you, how do you work that? So I inherited this Twitter account, um, from the girl who did PR before me. And I know she had used the block button for a couple people. And it was mainly be when people started personally attacking her, um, about something that would have to do with updates, which, you know, it was kind of crazy anyway like where's the PR rep <laughs> what do I have to do with anything um, and it's so I've never blocked anyone um, since I've been running it I will mute people every now and then um, especially if I see the same person who's just using a bunch of cuss words and every post is so ugly that I don't I don't even want to read it so then I'll just mute them but I don't I don't usually block people just because I, I figure my job is to provide the updates. So if people want to see them, they can follow us. Um, and, you know, if not, they can unfollow. But, yeah. yeah. 
Now, often I ask people in a position um, who's working in the sport how they got to this point, you know, like advice for people. But I don't even feel like I could do it with you because you took such an unconventional route. Like it's not something you could just be like, oh, yeah, I recommend you start out um, driving a car and then um, becoming sort of an engineer and then going into media relations. So you've touched so many different um, aspects of the sport. I will tell you a quick story. So when I first started doing social media in the sport and I had just switched over to the marketing side, I was working for GMR on the Lowe's Racing account. So I was running the Lowe's Racing Twitter handle at the track. And it was the first time that they sent somebody to the track every week to cover social. So I was around the team a lot more and, and we were just sending out a lot more updates than what they were used to seeing because before they didn't have anyone at the track every week. Well, during a race, I sent out some kind of update that was a little too specific, I guess, for Chad's liking. And uh, I think Keith Rodden saw it somehow. And so I got called into Chad's office the next week. And keep in mind, I've not been there for very long, but actually get along great with Chad and did even then but he was like so listen you maybe understand too much and we're gonna we're gonna need you to kind of dilute what you put out there a little bit and these are the kind of things that we want and we're okay with and these are the kinds of things we don't so I was like, oh okay good to know <laughs> that's pretty funny because i'm sure there's like a lot of people even you know uh, prfs might come in from outside the sport and they have a lot of catching up to do and they're telling you hey you know like dumb it down a little bit like pretend you don't know as much as you know right and then you get the fans that actually really follow it closely and they want that specific information or they'll be listening on the radio because you can tune in, you know, from home or anywhere to the radio communication and pick Dale's channel. They'll be like, that's not exactly what he said. He said this. I'm like, I know. I know what he said. Yeah. <laughs> that's just not what I'm allowed to post. Right. <laughs> so um, let's get into your, your background a little bit. Um, I, I alluded to it, but um, you obviously started as a driver. And um, I mean, you were running K&N. I, I was looking at some of the tracks you ran. I mean, you even ran Dover, which has to be so weird. You're going there and working in the sport and you're like, oh, I ran here. And like everybody else in the in the media room, PR room, they're just like, yeah, we're, we've just always been here as, you know, a writer, a PR rep. And you're like, I, I drove here. I mean, that has to be kind of strange in some ways. It is a little bit different. So I think the only three... No, four tracks on the circuit I've raced would be Loudon, Dover, Bristol, and uh, Watkins Glen, actually, which that was crazy. But, um, but yeah, it does give you a, a little bit different perspective. And the first time that I came back to those tracks, it was different. Now I, I would probably have more of the same attitude as any other PR rep, you know, or just here to do our jobs. And I'm not even thinking about what's going on out on the track because I'm not plugged into that part of it anymore but yeah it was uh it was different at first and then certainly interesting to see you know after they would make a run what comments our drivers would have to say about somewhere that I'm like oh yeah I know what they're talking about with that line <laughs> yeah that's so funny to me and, and it makes me wonder like you may be in a situation in the future where you're, you're working with younger drivers you've worked with veteran people so far like do you ever look at some of the young drivers in the sport did your competitive juices get flowing? Like I, I may have could have beat you at, at some point. There are definitely times where that 
can cross your mind. I would say that happens a lot less now than when I first stopped driving and was still coming to the track just working. Um, but we still like to go out to the go-kart track, like GoPro at the Motorplex, and um, just mix it up. And a lot of the current drivers will come out there, especially the younger guys. And it'll be guys we grew up racing against anyway. And we'll all have fun, beat and bang on each other. So that's how I get it out now. And then staying competitive in other ways, whether it's like triathlon or running. Um, and so it keeps you kind of from going crazy thinking like, oh, if this person made it, maybe I could have or that I'm so happy where I am now and feel like this is the right place. So um, when I look at, you know, some of the pressure Dale has on him, for example, when he's doing stuff like that's a tough job and not everybody realizes it. So um, I can certainly appreciate the job those guys do and the work that everybody's had to put in to get to where they are. Um, even the people who, you know, whose parents may have money, they still didn't just end up here without doing any work. So you've got to kind of appreciate that everybody's put some effort into it to get here in the first place. So why was marketing and um, PR and doing some social media as part of it, why was that um, a better fit for you than like some of the engineering stuff you first did when you left driving? So when I left driving, I was actually still driving while I was engineering. And, and so maybe that was part of it. Um, I had always been hands-on with my own race cars. And so I felt like from the school part of it, engineering was as close as I could kind of get to that hands-on part and still get an education and that it would help me with my driving. And it certainly did all of those things. But um, as I was a shop engineer, when I first started I can see it was still when NASCAR allowed open testing. And so you were gone all the time at the racetrack. And uh, so it still felt a little bit more hands-on. And once that went away, it was a big transition to uh, CAD modeling and simulator work and much more computer intense. And that really wasn't the part of it that I enjoyed. And I missed the people and getting out and talking to everybody. And the business side of the sport had always interested me. And so just through some of the connections I had met from being in the sport and working in it, it was actually a pretty easy transition over. Um, believe it or not, but yeah. So what's something that people might not realize about, like when they're seeing your tweets from home or whatever, what's something they don't realize about what goes into your job um, from afar that, that you have discovered since you got in it? I'm trying to think of some good examples. So like if it takes us a while to tweet after something happens, we have to make sure that what we're putting out there is exactly right because I know that's going to get picked up by people so if we think something happened to the car say and that's why we're coming to pit road well I need to make a hundred percent sure that after they've looked at it that's what the answer is before I send something out um, so there's always maybe if it seems like it's a delay it's not because we <laughs> we're you know distracted or just didn't feel like giving an updates because we're making sure um, what happened and same 
with like if you've got to make a trip to the care center you're not worried about twitter then your primary job is to get to the car and get to the driver get over to the care center and make sure everything's good from that standpoint before you switch back over to uh twitter and i i would say I mainly tweet during the weekend, so I, I think people forget maybe how much work goes into the weekend before you ever get here. Um, really, once we get to the weekend, that's the easier part of our job. All of the intense planning um, happens back at the shop before we ever get here. Well, and that's so interesting, too, because whereas some, some people's whole job, like a company might be social media manager, I mean, that's just one element of your job. I mean, you're with Dale everywhere he's going. I mean, you're, you, ha you have to get him from place to place to place, all these appearances. Um, what percent of your job would you say is social media compared to the whole picture? I'd say for my job, it's maybe 5%. Um, it, it's not something that I spend any time thinking about. When we're here on the race weekend, I'll update, but it's, it's more... Um, just a service that we try to provide to the fans than being important to the actual like media relations part of our role, I guess. And so really, if you think about it, the time that I spend tweeting is so small compared to everything else. And it really, especially with the way our accounts are structured. So anything that I would really want to push out from a PR standpoint is already being pushed out either by the Team Hendrick account in general, or Dale himself, or our sponsors. And so it's not like I have to have that platform to be able to get out what we're doing from a PR sense. So it really is kind of more of a, here's what's going on if you're if you're not here, and here's an easy way to find what Dale's doing. But it, it's not so much um, like a crux of what my job entails. Yeah, that's very interesting. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody, so there you have it. Again, uh, super cool, I think, that she has such a varied racing background and is now working in public relations. Um, the only other two driver-turned-PR reps that I know of are Ryan Ellis, who, as you know, was a cup driver and now is doing PR, at least this year, for Matt DiBenedetto, and Caitlin Berry, formerly Caitlin Shaw, who, like Tiff, made the transition to PR and was actually for a year working with Tiff at Hendrick Motorsports. She now works for True Speed Communication. So it's on to Indy now, and I am here ready to go for the weekend, a two-day show at the Brickyard. Also, I will have a post-race podcast with Tom Jensen and his son, John, after the race. John is a very enthusiastic NASCAR fan, so I thought it'd be fun to have both Tom and John talk about the Brickyard after the race is over. So thanks again for listening. As always, if you feel like leaving any feedback on iTunes, that would be greatly appreciated. And hope you enjoyed this social spotlight edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast.